Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self and business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Nadia Payan. Nadia is an artist, mentor, and guide who supports conscious creatives to go inward and share their work with the world. She has found her calling teaching others how to embody their true creative expression and soul's purpose. Welcome to the podcast, Nadia. I'm really glad that you're here with us. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Ursula. Yeah, my pleasure. So your business is such an interesting mix. And I know you have uh, you have your own business where you're involved in brand strategy, you have a marketing background, and then you're also getting more and more involved in your family business, which is a Montessori school. Yeah. And I'm wondering, how do you juggle or manage or both of those or are they so well integrated that they just sort of smoothly run from one to the other? No, they're not well integrated at all. (laughs) (laughs) They're very, very different. Um, And I like to joke around that my, my clientele now spans from the age of three to 61 or 62, I believe. <laughs> That's not something a marketing firm can often talk about. Good, so. Right? <laughs> um, but I will say this, um, each one has its sort of, it takes a lot of open communication. I'm not the only person involved uh, with my family's business, obviously. It's my mom's business. Mm-hmm. And we have a staff, we have, um, we have the children, we have uh, it's it's a big family endeavor too, and it just takes a lot of communication with what I'm what I'm doing to push for for my own business, and I might need to scale back some hours around the school or ch- churn up hours around the school. It just really has to do with with coordinating and and uh, honesty, truthfully, like mm-hmm. honest communication and and having that willingness to say, oh, this is what I'm up to, this is what I'm working towards. Mm, what adjustments might we need to make or where can we make sure that we're, you know, on the same, things are getting done across the board, but um, that everyone's still getting eight hours of sleep. You know what I mean? Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Still having a healthy sort of lifestyle Mm -hmm. along with, along with the business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I want to almost take a little segue straight away if that's all right with you. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, One of the things that, thanks. (laughs) One of the things that, um, I have experienced a lot in my life and it has to do with, it has to do with a lot, but I would say that a lot of it also comes from living, living in capitalism. Mm. And it's, it's the experience of burnout of this almost like feast and famine type of cycle, Mm -hmm. both in life and in business. So I, and don't get me wrong as a, as a, as an actual creative. So I used to work, um, before starting my own company, I worked as an art director um, and designer at different mm-hmm. ad agencies. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was even at that, at that, in that stage, you know, or rather on that stage of corporate, you know, America and working in advertising, that whole business, that whole industry was built in the same sort of manner where we would have, nothing was well paced out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
despite our trying and things would just come up and it's the same when you run a business and it's just the same. It's just very learned behavior to um, suddenly need to pull like three all-nighters in a row and whatever. And um, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen from time to time. What I'm saying is for me, I choose for that to happen when it's coming from a place of inspiration or where I feel like I'm getting visited by creative muses, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm in the zone and I'm making something, whether it be for one business or the other. And I'm just in that flow, that state of flow and everything's just pouring out. Then I say, yeah, follow it, you know, but if it's something that's being forced for the sake of productivity or for the sake of productization, then suddenly I'm just like, that might not, be the healthiest. Right. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I, I, and I'll, I'll take a stronger stand there. Like, I don't believe that is healthy at all. So the communication aspect um, really, really helps. And the willingness to rest and, and put that in also really helps. Mm. Well, I completely agree with you that it's not a healthy way to go. And having worked in a corporate environment myself, there's mm. often these, as you described, situations where there's a big push on for something and it's not coming from any sort of inner uh, drive. It's, it's all about external deadlines and, and things, you know, being in a rush that then sits on someone's desk and you yeah. wait for two weeks to get feedback on it. So it's often a, a bit of an artificial construct. So I, uh, I, I know that you work in this realm of, of really, um, conscious business and and really with a focus on being creative and i I love you talking about being able to uh access that and then um i was going to say give into it but it's not really the that's not really what i mean to allow it to run its course in terms of Mm. how you use your time and energy yeah it's always i mean my whole life is an act of art you know Mm. act of creativity and it's it's a it's a that is a conscious choice that I've made is to choose a life like that, and it means that you know, not that I don't do mundane things, you know, like mm-hmm, I'll sure. I'll I'll write up a newsletter like the rest of us, <laughs> you know, and there's I'll do my budget like everyone else. Um, it just means that I I stay open and aware for that creative energy to make its way through me. Like it's mm. always with us. I believe it, it it's in everyone. And it breaks my heart actually. A huge part of some of the things that that are going to be coming out um not to timestamp this conversation but to timestamp this conversation. <laughs> and next year in 2021 there's going to be more and more um work or services or products or whatever stuff that I'm offering that's around, you know, going back to your own creativity and getting back in touch with that aspect of yourself, reclaiming your creativity. Mm. And the reason why is because after having done branding and even advertising for so long, the number of times, whether in corporate or in my own business, that I've heard people say, oh, you know, I'm hiring you because I'm not creative. And it would I would feel like a piece of my heart would just shatter yeah, every time I, I hear that. Yeah, and again, that too. to me, I'll you know, to me that is systems of oppression at play because mm. 
to me, I really, really feel like when people are in touch with their creativity, when people understand that creativity comes from within them, and it doesn't have to look, it can, it can look like painting. I work with a lot of artists um, as clients and, and people who consider themselves already as like creative professionals, you know, yeah. designers, branding people, all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But then someone else who's a, an accountant or I actually had a client who was in a forensic forensic accounting, uh-huh. super creative mind, super yeah. brilliant human being, problem and solver, and yeah, exactly, kind of detective work, yeah, and was in touch with that aspect. Understood that they were that they had creativity from within, mm-hmm. and I really believe that a huge part of. Um, like the edu and this is me getting on the educational soapbox too. Like the educational system that we have here in the United States is constantly telling people like, you're not good enough to be creative. You're right. not creative or not don't artistic, be creative in or, this setting. Yeah. Or yeah. this is, yeah. Your creativity is not allowed here. Right. Um, anything that will make you uh, a living or allow you to thrive should not be linked to your creativity. Hmm. And I just, I'm a no to that. <laughs> I'm a firm, firm no to that. And I think it is very revolutionary because I do believe that when people understand and embrace their, their own creativity, their, the power of creativity that they have already living within them, very, very interesting things can happen, right? New ideas can come to, to, into, into creation, uh, new ways of being, new combinations. And that can be very scary or for um, systems like power systems, power dynamics that are currently in place that threatens that because the, the systems that we have in place in the United States at this point in time, we don't have room. We don't have a flexible system. We don't have room for new ideas and new ways of being. Um, it's, it's, it's more rigid. It's more structured. Well, and when you so, talk about oppressive systems, you, you're talking very, you're talking quite globally. You're talking yeah. about any kind of system that, that uh, prevents people from accessing their creativity and creativity is what leads to innovation. Yes. That's, that's why we don't want to, it's, it's innately positive in terms of self-expression, but it also leads to innovative solutions to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, more on that aspect of, of kind of leading a healthy life and allowing for creativity and self-expression. I know you mentioned to me that you're a classically trained violinist. Yeah. And that <laughs> is so intriguing to me because, um, I mean, music is a big part of my life as well. I choir and I play some instruments, yeah. but um, what role does that now play in your life? Because you used to, used to play professionally, I understand. Yeah. Um, it's my, it's my joy. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's something that I love to do. I I made a conscious choice, um, in my early twenties, I believe to not pursue it professionally any longer, like to not make a career out of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, it mostly had to do with, for me, my, I have a really deep value for freedom Mm. and being a, uh, a professional musician, you're, you're, you're a performer. And so the times in which people gather for performances, there are certain times where people do that. And so that means that for me, it felt like, oh, my schedule would not be my own. That's what it right. feels like for me. Other people yeah. might look at that and be like, that feels like freedom. Follow mm-hmm. that, right? For me, mm-hmm. it felt like a cage. And mm-hmm. so that's when I knew, okay, my violin is with me. 
I love playing with people. Um, I get whenever I get a chance to jam with some other musicians, I'm always a yes to it. And it's definitely the thing that, um, you know, like the question of like, if your house was burning down, what would you grab? <laughs> Mine is my violin. Right. Yeah. Since, since like age 10, when I got the exact violin, my, 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 my one true love. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, yeah. it's not something we talk about much in the context of business because we kind of keep it to the business stuff, but this is all, um, it's so important to acknowledge and bring in these other aspects of our lives because they Absolutely. contribute to our creativity as well and our well-being and, and your chance to connect with people in a different way. It's all, it's all tied together. Yes. The, I, I could not agree more. And it is, it is so important to know what, what activities feed you, right? Mm -hmm. So if I just, it's interesting because I think like, I think it was Picasso that said, you know, inspiration finds you working. Mm. And there's also a truth to what, what is like, I'd be curious if, if I could ask him anything, I, I would want to like, let's talk a little bit more what you mean by work, right? Because yeah. I'm willing to bet that meant sketching, that meant it meant creating, <laughs> right? And sometimes, say for example, I mean, my, my business is is extremely creative, and my family having uh, being involved with early childhood education that's also extremely creative. There, the the children in general, um, but the ones that I get to know between the ages of like three to six years old, mm -hmm. wow, they have no trouble. They're yeah. creative their ability to tap into their creativity is just it's something it's something to admire and learn from mm. so if you're ever stuck <laughs> or anyone who's <laughs> listening if you're ever feeling stuck creatively or like you're not able to connect with your creativity go and have an honest conversation with a three-year-old it's going to be really or a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a six-year-old yeah. uh it'll open you up like a real not, don't not with judgment or anything just like ask them what they're up to today and <laughs> and if they want some company and whatever it is that they're doing you'll you'll enter whole new worlds trust me well and we so, kind of unlearn it i mean you, mm -hmm. you spoke to this already about you know the the kind of systems that are in place and in that includes the educational system that sort of squeezes the not the creativity out of you because i think it can still be accessed but it feels like it's becomes less accessible because you you get it out of practice with with accessing it you're right oh, and, it, yeah. and it becomes a thing where like there's only certain time like you mentioned like there's only certain times where it's appropriate and that's like art class that's mm -hmm. not yeah that is a place <laughs> it's not the only place <laughs> right well how you talked about um this balance between the muse and and just working and letting creativity come to you how do you how do you access creativity when you need it because sometimes you there are things that just have to get done do you do any do you have any special practices that you do to help enhance your creativity oh my gosh i love this question thank <laughs> you for it yeah, yeah no it's such a beautiful question um there's no right answer to it i don't think um hmm. i will say that because everyone's different you know I, yeah. that's the montessorian in me <laughs> like mm -hmm. every every child is different and let me tell you ursula we're all children we all have yeah. i also say this a lot too like the children have not yet been adults all of us as adults we've all been children mm -hmm. and that can actually help us out in accessing creativity quite a bit is like 
you know, they talk about this like inner child work. Right. Do that, whatever that might be. You want to go climb a tree? <laughs> Try it out. Mm-hmm. You might fall down, but you know, that's part of the process. Right. Um, but I would say for myself, um, to more directly answer your question, it has been about cultivating sort of the layers of intention throughout different aspects of my daily life. Hmm. So I I will notice when an activity is being done from like an autopilot place within me. And then I might, if I'm aware of it, right, and I'm wanting that to be different, I might take the moment to ask myself, well, what might this need in order to make it more of a creative act? Hmm. And so it might mean something as simple as, oh, my favorite song needs to be playing in the background. Right. Or, oh, actually, I'm going to go for a walk outside and get some fresh air for 15 minutes and see, and I'll voice record myself writing this email newsletter. <laughs> I have a hard time writing my email newsletters. Can you tell? <laughs> I'm like, keep on bringing them up. Um, <laughs> but something like that, you know, or if I'm doing something as simple as a daily task as like cooking myself a meal, there are moments, and, and I'm not saying I'm in this act of creative flow every single time, mm-hmm. but there are moments where um, I might notice that I am in that autopilot space and it's just almost mechanical. There's no life force to what I'm doing. I'm just right. literally like making a sandwich. Yeah. And I'd be like, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm able to notice it, and then if I'm wanting for that to be different, because sometimes I might just be like, uh, well, the reality is, is that I miscalculated my time management and I have a call in 10 minutes and I need to just make this sandwich in a mechanical way and eat it, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and th- that happens. Forgive. I forgive me. I move on. Right. Yeah. And if there's a little more time and space where I'm like, actually, my next call is in three hours. I have, you know, two things to do on my to-do list before then. And I wish, and I'm, and I'm feeling a little bit like a robot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, well, how might I add more artistry to this sandwich? <laughs> right. And it sounds so basic, but it's, it, it adds a lot. Uh, and it, it makes it so then your life doesn't have to change too much. You get to change in the process of the thing, right? The life, your life doesn't have to suddenly be like, I have joined a commune and no offense to anyone who's in a commune power to you, but like, I've joined a commune and now, and now I've left, I, I live in a city, so I've left city life and right. all these things, right? It doesn't have to be so drastic. It can literally yeah. be accessed everywhere because it is within you. Well, in those little moments of uh, choosing to do something more creatively, it enhances not only your experience in the moment, but I think it, it starts to get, starts, at least this is the effect it has on me. It starts me thinking about things very differently, even if mm-hmm. I'm mulling over a problem and I'm going to, take a break and do something totally different. If I do something creative, then I come back to the issue that I was trying to work out. So, you know, industriously in my head and I've got a completely different view on it and come up with some creative solution or at least heading in that direction. I'm so happy you brought that up because I'd love to just say this out loud. We live in, 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 in a world that functions off of structure, right? Rigid systems, but creative energy, creativity, it's a nonlinear process. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's why sometimes I think people feel so uncomfortable with it because we've gotten a lot of training through our educational system, through our daily life to be like, well, here's the hierarchy. Here's how it works. I take, you know, how to in three easy steps, you know, five tips, all this, this is what we're used to. And what you just shared, that is working with creativity is acknowledging Mm -hmm. like, I might not see exactly what I was looking for in that moment while I'm making the sandwich or while I'm, you know, going for a walk or whatever it might be, or playing my violin either. I might just be doing something to relieve stress and just, you know, play beautiful music because it brings me joy. Right. Mm -hmm. But then while I'm, while I'm in that state, I might get an idea because the nervous system is calmer and has been soothed. And so therefore you're more receptive to just I'm just going to call it like the more abstract or unseen world, so to speak, which is where we get those like seeds of information. Uh, and you can get as metaphysical or as scientific as you want with it. I, I don't quite care, but um, it, it does feel that way, right? Like you just suddenly are like, oh, the little light bulb goes off on the top of your head. You're like, Ding. <laughs> oh my goodness, this thing that I've been trying to figure out. Yeah. For the past three months, <laughs> I've just got an idea that it might work. Yeah. Miraculously, something mm-hmm. comes up. It yeah. feels like a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a miracle. But that, well, that, for me, that is, that is creativity. It's nonlinear. Yeah. Well, I'd love to talk about this in the context of marketing. And mm. so many entrepreneurs, especially those with quite small companies, you end up um, doing a lot of marketing in the course of having a business and, uh-huh. and probably way more than you ever expected and, and not necessarily spending <clears throat> all of your time doing the, the work that brought you to a business in the first place. So I'd love to explore how we can make that process of marketing more come alive more. And uh, because a lot of people, they, they hear the word marketing and they, you know, get these pained <laughs> expressions or they yes. get grit their teeth. And you're actually one of those rare people who wanted to be a marketer. I understand. <laughs> and, well, uh, and I know you've had a bit of a journey with that. Since yeah. Then. yeah. I still get pained expressions that. and I really <laughs> love what I do. <laughs> Like, but that's the, that's living a both and life, right? A life of complexity, but I'm I'm not going to, yeah. that's a, that's a tangent. I'm going to, I love this question. So I, I'm really excited to answer it. Um, there's two things I want to bring up um, around folks with businesses um, and, and understanding that marketing is going to be part of the machinery of the mechanics of making business work, because we do, we do get to share what we're up to with people. Yeah. And you call it a skill that helps us navigate this day and age. And I think that's very true for small business. Yeah, absolutely. I, so, oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts that I want to share right now. (laughs) Where do I begin? Let me take a moment. I want to start off by saying that marketing, a beautiful reframe that I believe I heard from a fellow marketer that I adore named McKenna held, uh, called marketing an invitation. And I love this way of framing marketing because I think what makes it feel gross for people is when there's, and we're going to go into the abstract world, like the energetics of it, 
mm-hmm. is when you encounter like the the sleaziness, the stickiness, the blech, it just feels like that where you're like, why is this person selling me this? I don't yeah. even want it. But a lot of times that's because no one actually invited you to the conversation. In other words, no one asked you if you wanted to be a part of the conversation. Right. And so it's a very different thing to go into business in a, from a relational standpoint, but mm-hmm. also especially like when you layer that into marketing where you start seeing, you know what, I have something to share. And I want to let people know that it exists. And some people will say yes to the invitation of, of like, hey, this is a thing that I have. This is a thing that I want to share with you. Who's interested? Mm-hmm. Is anyone here interested? And I think it's very, it sounds so simple when I say it out loud. The, the part that makes it hard or the part that feels that gets a lot of people stuck is around we start judging ourselves mm. right we start we we're like ah oh, but you know i have this thing i want to share and also there's 10 other people doing it mm. who really wants to buy it from me mm-hmm. who would really even want no one's going to say yes i'm going to make this invitation and no one's going to come to the party right like it's very and again going back to just looping back to layers for people who are interested in nonlinear thinking because that's how i move through the world mm-hmm. um and looping back to when you were a child that is oh you know how many conversations i've had with the children in the montessori environment so and so doesn't want to be my friend right <laughs> and um i I'm actually seeing a link here all of a sudden. It's like (laughs) dawn is, the day is dawning. That's what a fabulous way of looking at it. And imagine what would happen if like, if we, and a lot of times with the children, my, I'm, oh, have you talked with them about it? (laughs) Um, Or, you know, do you want to be their friend? And we have conversations and a lot of times, I mean, with children, it's, it's a different, there are different nuances for the children, right? As adults, we, we navigate much more, compl- much more complex systems <laughs> than the children right. do. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times it just, um, that fear, it doesn't stop them. You know, they might have a conversation with me, which in that moment, my role is as their teacher, advisor, guide, directress, as Montessori would say, she, she actually would say teaching doesn't exist. You're mm. either a guide, you're a guide, right? In, the, okay. in that environment. So I'm giving them some guidance and then they're taking that information and making other decisions with it. So a lot of times their decision is, well, let me go and see if that person's willing to play with me again. (laughs) Right. But that's essentially what we're doing when we're marketing our, our ideas, our products, our services. We're saying, Hey, I have this thing. I think it might be a fit with you. Like, or, you know, or even more broadly, like I have this thing who's in, who, who's in. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when we talk about the target market, we're saying like, I have this thing. I intentionally made it for someone like you. Mm-hmm. Um, are you at a, you know, are you interested? Are you at a point where this even makes sense for you right now? Let me know. And that's the and invitation. That's the to invitation. Share about it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and that changes the dynamics of it. I really feel that that changes everything. Because people are not, it's um, an old way of doing marketing is what's called push 
uh, push advertising or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there are differences between marketing and advertising. I'm just going to use them interchangeably here. Mm -hmm. um, but we're beyond that now. <laughs> it, the internet changed everything. We're able to have conversations like this one all the time. Right. And, um, and I also understand that sometimes like there's a human being on the other side of whatever screen that you're interacting with them through, right? It's a real human being. Mm -hmm. And so even if you made the perfect thing and you think to yourself, they're the perfect candidate for this thing that I made specifically for them, there might be things that are happening in that person's life that makes them not a match right now. Right. And that's another huge shift, right? Thinking of marketing as a long-term conversation, as something of building a real relationship, as opposed to just something where like, and it can feel this way from the business standpoint, we're like, we have a launch, we have goals, we have certain number of people that we need to have in this program in order for it to be profitable, right. like real talk. And it's about creating some harmony between those two conversations, hmm. right? And reaching out to enough people so that you have enough people who are in the right place or a good right. place for them to to move forward with it. Mm -hmm. Well, it also makes me think of what you started with talking about kids saying so-and-so doesn't want to play with me. Yeah. I think that marketers can get into uh, or entrepreneurs can get, get into a bit of a funk around um, I put this out there and it didn't work and nobody wants to play with me. No one wants to play with me. <laughs> what do I, you know, how do you get past that kind of, you know, it feels, it can feel like rejection in the moment. So how do you get past that and just keep going? I love that. Um, this is where, okay, there's two, I, I love playing in both worlds. So yes, I have a lot of, as a creative and, and as a professional creative or whatever, you know, there's a lot in the emotional world that I get into, right? Because that's so much of where creativity comes from. And as a business owner, all the stuff that I was saying, like, oh, the rigidity and the structure and this, guess what? That analytical, logical mind, it's such an asset as well. Mm -hmm. So I would just encourage people to first feel your feelings. <laughs> if you're like, I have a failure, feel that. Mm -hmm. You know, because as long as you're just trying to suppress that, in my opinion, it just, it, it finds a way yeah. uh, to make itself known. <laughs> um, if, if you don't have, if you don't make some room to just grieve the loss of whatever it is that you were trying to put out there. So yeah. that's step one, feel your feelings, maybe take a day off, cry, ugly sob, whatever, whatever's <laughs> your thing. I'm a crier. I cry for when I'm happy, when I'm sad. So that's mm -hmm. my thing. But like whatever makes you move energy, right? So feel those feelings. Um, things that help me out when I'm feeling really stuck and feeling my feelings where I'm just like, oh, I know they're there, but I just don't want to feel them yet. But I know it'd be good for me. Right. Um, I lift heavy things like I work out. Mm. <laughs> um, and sometimes at the end of a workout, I will then have enough uh, of that anxious feeling to, gone that like I can start to cry or like be like, okay, I'm sad and I can be with my sadness. Yeah. Um, or I'll watch a, a movie that makes me cry. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I'll be like, crying but like way more than the movie needs out of me right but I'm like I'm <laughs> grieving the loss of you know this launch that didn't work out exactly the way I planned and right. then from there after you've soothed that part of yourself then it's then it's um there's room to engage in the more analytical and logical aspect that can still have room for emotion and so here I'd like to say 
this is where being in, in touch with what your core values are is going to be pivotal. Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing that I do with every single client, whether it's a multi-million dollar business or a startup um, that has has you know they're literally at phase zero, is what are your values personally? Which ones? if not all are being infused into the business and there's mm-hmm. a whole process right for business I, I always recommend three to five of them because you'll see it can get very vast and the questions i always ask and you know i, I share this everywhere as many places as possible are um what are those values what do they mean to you why is it important to you why is it important to the world at large mm-hmm. and get specific and go deep right and from there i'm 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 certain that you'll find one of those values will bring you the motivation that you need in order to continue. Hmm. And I can give a very, um, I have a story around that actually. Yeah, that I'd like please to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the projects that I'm involved with is a project with two friends of mine called Magic Jungle. And we used to, for the past three years, um, take creative, uh, creative like art, artistic women to Tulum for a retreat that kind of mixed like, you know, vacation meets business strategy (laughs) and brand strategy. But also one of the co-hosts is a full-time watercolor artist. Uh, All three of us have creative businesses, but different types of creative work. Mm -hmm. So we would get a lot of painters and people with with art businesses that are interested in growing an art business. Mm. Most recently, because of coronavirus um, and Obviously, we're not going to Mexico. I mean, one of, one of us lives in Mexico, but we're not going to Tulum anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, what we decided to do was host a workshop that we had already committed to in Mexico City to host it on, on, online. Mm-hmm. The catch here is that the workshop, this three-day seminar, was going to be in Spanish. Now, I don't know if you know my background, but my my... I'm a mix of continents. <laughs> right? So my, my mom is from Morocco. My dad <clears> is from <throat> Colombia. And for me, I grew up mostly, almost entirely in the United States. And I've spent most of my life in the city of Miami, Florida, on Tocasta mm-hmm. land. And, um, and in this environment, in this context of, of my hometown, what I consider my hometown, um, Spanish speaking Spanish is the norm. So because of my upbringing, I actually spoke French at home. Mm-hmm. And Spanish your, your mom's Moroccan background. Well, yeah. yeah, they they it's actually just a real immigrant story like they just met in France. Oh, wow. <laughs> so oh, that's uh, so I, because of them I have this um this theory that like if you meet someone in a language even if you can speak another language this happens with with french friends of mine or french speaking friends of mine too where if we meet in english we can if if we lose our thought in english we know we can always go into french but <laughs> yeah. um a lot of times it's it's actually very hard for me to maintain a conversation with them completely in french because i'm just so i have that automatic the autopilot mm-hmm. is like with this person i met them in english so i'm right. going to speak to them in english yeah. so i think that's what happened with them where they met and that was a language they had in common. So it's, it's stuck, you know? Hmm. Um, my Spanish is not the strongest. And my co-hosts, my friends um, that I co-host Magic Jungle with, they're both Mexican. 
their Spanish is spectacular, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. They, I mean, they were born and raised in, I mean, not born, but they were raised in Mexico. Right. And so their, na- their, their, their home is Mexico. And, um, but I have a value of community in my business. Mm-hmm. Like I love people. I love people. And I love people getting together and sharing their truest expression of who they are with one another. I think mm-hmm. really magical things can happen. Mm-hmm. So I prepped for this online seminar. I hired a friend of mine to like practice my parts in Spanish. And I showed up in my imperfect Spanish with a, my 501 Spanish verbs conjugation book right next to me, <laughs> literally with written scripts. So then if, if like I would get lost, I could like go back with like a vocabulary list of sure. words that I use a lot in English. And I showed up as, as prepared as I possibly could. And it was not perfect mm-hmm. it, by any means. And some, one of the people that was um, there commented on that and said, well, how, what do you do? Oh, no, it was a different question. It was like, what do you do if you feel like your work isn't good enough? And you might be feeling that way if you've just experienced a failure, a failed launch, right? Mm-hmm. Or a failed marketing campaign or whatever. You might be like, oh, I am worth nothing. <laughs> you might be feeling that way. It's temporary, right. thank goodness. But <laughs> uh, it, might, it might happen. And, um, and that's when I said, you know, that's when we go back to our values every time. Because for me, it would be more important to me to be aligned with my value of community and showing up here for the sake of being in community with you all. We had like 90, over 90 people around the world, Mm, all Spanish speakers learning. Yeah. Learning stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, I would rather be here with all of you. Perfection is not one of my values. (laughs) I would rather be here with all of you taking a stand for my value of community Mm. and be showing up. And are you all like mad? that I, my Spanish is imperfect. No, everyone's been, whenever I would forget a word, I learned something about myself. Apparently when I speak Spanish, I think in French. So luckily there were a few, there (laughs) were actually like two or three French speakers in the room. So literally I would say things and they would put in the chat, you're thinking of this word. It's a French word. In Spanish, it would be this. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. So everybody had my back because they understood that that I wasn't there to be perfect in Spanish. I was there because I really believe in the work that I'm doing and I wanted to be there with them. Right. And that's community too, for them to kind of pitch in and help you to find the words. And yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, that's a very clear example of how important, like that value. And I'm going to be completely, I'm just going to say this out loud. Um, And during our breaks, I would cry. Mm-hmm. Not every single one, but it was just so much. I was doing something very new. Yeah. And it's hard. And it's hard. Yeah. yeah. And so mm-hmm. there would be moments in, the, in, in between where I'm just like, I know how I can share and teach this information in English. And it's spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> if I do say so great. myself. That's and great. I know that it's not quite there yet in Spanish. Let me grieve a little bit. So then, then I can have room to show up fully. When we, when we start re-engaging. Well, and that's to me an example of, <clears throat> of leadership in the sense that you chose to 
stay with it. You brought the material to people in whatever imperfect way it, it showed up. And you worked your way through that process with the help of other people and, and came up with something really valuable. Yeah. Well, yeah. you and I, I as you uh, I invited you to be on my Fierce Women Forum, and we talked a lot about fierce wealth in that panel discussion. Yeah. And I, it makes me think of Fierce Leadership, which was another panel. And what what how have you how have you seen your own leadership has has you have you been able to bring that fierce aspect to your own leadership how have you seen that evolve hmm. i know i'm taking things in a different direction but just no i love it like you know, a striking example of leadership a big thing that i've been um blessed enough to get to study is how to relate to difference. Hmm. And a huge part of that process for me has been actually embracing my own. Hmm. And I think that, and not even I think, it's like a feeling more so. So I feel that as I've embraced myself more fully, because a whole lot of reasons to hide and I still do it, you know, again, it's an imperfect process. It's not mm. linear. <laughs> right. I still do it, but uh, more and more, I find myself being able to make decisions differently mm. where as I accept myself as who I am in this moment and know that it, it's going to be different by the time this conversation is over, I'll be a different person. Um, I might have these values to gr keep grounding me, right? How right. is that align? in line with my values? Did I make a decision from that place or from a place of fear? Um, and as I'm able to ask myself those questions and answer myself more and more honestly, which that takes practice, mm -hmm. then I'm able to show up as me more and more. And mm -hmm. I am finding that showing up as myself, well, like for, with the magic jungle example, yeah, a lot of people will take that as leadership or, or, or take it in as being a leader. And I think that that's really beautiful. There's a really beautiful something that's happening there where maybe leadership is evolving or the, our concepts of what leadership can look like are evolving to include a whole person. Uh, right. Yeah. I love that. Hmm. Yeah, and it ties in so well with what you do, authentic marketing. So yeah. it's really about bringing your whole self to whatever you're doing. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I, I did want to add something that's more strategic that I just wanted to share. I made a little note. I was like, I'll bring mm. this up. Um, <laughs> is, you know, you have your values, but then it's up to us. And this is, the, this is where the creativity can come in. Everything sells. That I did learn in advertising. <laughs> <laughs> Literally everything sells. So if you're not selling, well, worry about it. At some point it's going to sell because <laughs> everything, literally everything sells. Hmm. Um, it's just about creating, once you have your values, then you can then start using your creativity to create frameworks for how you're going to include yourself in, in making those invitations. So if you're someone that psh, you just feel good on camera, you just feel like that's your natural state. You're just like, okay, let's do this photo shoot. Let's do the, start a YouTube channel. You know, start a video thing. If you have a beautiful voice and people are like, ooh, I like it when you speak or whatever, start, you know, start a podcast. 
Mm-hmm. Start, if you love having conversations with folks, have a podcast, have a YouTube channel where you're doing interviews. If you love curating, like making beautiful visuals and graphics, listen, we've got Instagram and Facebook. Like there are um, playgrounds for everybody mm-hmm. and it gets really, really interesting and a lot more authentic and a lot more vulnerable and a lot more fun when right. we marry, you know, when we combine that, the, the values that were like, these are the core values of, of what I'm up to. Like everything lines up with these things mm. that I believe in. Yeah. And that's what gets me up in the morning. And mm. I'm doing that, like the stuff that I'm doing with those values, it's fun for me. It lines up with my, with my, with my gifts you know, like with what my innate talents are. Yeah. And that can be really, really interesting. Well, that alignment is so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really great point. And it well, takes no- experimentation. Yeah. It takes time to like, you know, explore, make note like, ooh, that I had mm-hmm. good results, but I felt horrible the whole time. Like right. I felt like, you know, then maybe your financial results don't line up with your life results and there might be a modification there because it's both and not just the one aspect right that kind of awareness is just so valuable yeah well nadia i always wrap up these uh interviews with three rapid round questions so just quick answers to three questions about impact are you are you game i'm so down great so first one is what's the best thing you've learned uh, rather the biggest thing you've learned about having impact Mm. I think the biggest thing that I've learned at this point in time is just we we can't okay how do I say this I'm not the one to measure it uh. so my impact I don't know what it is I can guess mm-hmm. but truly what I have found is a lot of times I, I I genuinely have no idea and it's not until somebody else is willing to share it with me mm. that something I said or something I did had an impact on them that I'm like, oh, how cool. Right. But otherwise, the most important thing is for me to do me and, and then people will let me know. Trust that. Trust that, right? Trust that people will let me know when impact has happened. Mm-hmm. I love that because I think we can go to great lengths to try to have a certain impact and it's, it's, you can't necessarily guide that or you can't necessarily have that impact, but you always have impact of some kind. So exactly. Great. Yeah. Well, the second question is what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? Played my violin. <laughs> <laughs> No, I would say, um, yeah, creative practice. Like Mm -hmm. always, I I don't think any point in my life was I not either making music, making, you know, greeting cards for friends, you know, painting, uh, collaborating. I think that's been my, yeah, that's the through line throughout my entire life so far. And I don't Mm want to change that. So I Mm -hmm. hope, I hope it's there until my last breath. Mm, that's great. Well, the last question is, what's one piece of advice or an insight you'd want to share with another business owner who's asking themselves, how can I have impact in the world? How can I contribute in my own way? Mm. Acknowledge that you already are. Mm. And maybe the question can be reframed as, 
let me ask what kind of impact I've had. Because mm. like That's I said, true. that conversation, oof, it's powerful when people let you know. And sometimes, yeah, if you're not aware of it, if you're not aware of the impact you're already having, it might be interesting for you to ask, have you had any impact from my, and, and that's a vulnerable question that takes real courage. Yeah. And it's so, so beautiful. The types of answers that you can get. Yeah. And often surprising too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Nadia, thank you so much for sharing what you have today. We've had a really wide ranging conversation and yes, I, I, I love it. <laughs> Oh, me too. I've I've loved exploring creative expression in all these different ways as well, and and uh, how how marketing can be that as well for um, a lot of entrepreneurs. So, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Oh my gosh, I have had so much fun. Thank you so much for having me, Ursula. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you for the work uh, you're doing in the world, Nadia. If if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? At this point in time, you can find my, my favorite place to hang out is Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm Nadia Payan, N-A-D-I-A-P-A-Y-A-N on Instagram. And then um, if you're wanting to see a little bit more about my work, then my, my website is NadiaPayan.com. So just my name.com. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you again. And uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun talking with you today. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. If you want to discover more about your impact, you can schedule a business impact assessment with me. That's 75 minutes of focus on your and your company's impact and how you can increase it. Just email me at Ursula at workalchemy.com to schedule your business impact assessment. It's my gift to you. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on your favorite podcast app, or on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of leaders like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.